0: Welcome to another episode of Superposition Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. It's myself, Duncan Platt, and co-host Christopher Bennick. Christopher, how are you doing? Great, man. How you been? I am doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. Another week uh, of of uh, interesting COVID nineteen quarantine. Um. We were talking earlier, and uh, you were saying something about your hair. Thankfully, I've I've not been uh, missing my hairdresser because I cut my own hair, and I always have. Um, Man, that was like I, I had a,
1: a a colleague that I work with that at the last church I worked at and he cut his own hair and I'm super jealous now. I used to think he was like a crazy person. Like, did he, you know, like, and it's like, isn't there a certain time in your life where it's like at some point if you don't cut your own hair where you feel like you're like taking an emotional risk, right? Like, like I feel like COVID's a great opportunity. If you're going to start cutting your hair, like people would understand, but it's no less a tragedy if you fail.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it's the perfect time. It's the perfect excuse. Um, well, my
1: hair is getting, like, so out of control that it looks like I'm interviewing, like, to, you know, I'm auditioning for a local casting of Grease at this point. <laughs>
0: it's, you know, oh, it's,
1: this. it is not, like, I'm going to end up with, like, a ponytail by the time we're done with this. So, this is the longest my hair has been. That's funny. I, I don't know. I don't know how long, so.
0: but. Well. Put a pen in that because I, I have something to say about interviewing and long hair. But yeah, it's I mean, just to say I'm lucky in that I, I started balding when I was about 24 years old. So I, I had to master the art of really just taking it off my head. It's not really an art. Um, it's not a, it's not a difficult art, though. You can you can do it wrong. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's it's been a, a low risk endeavor. Uh, I've seen some co-workers and friends do the uh, cut your, your hair yourself process and, and it gone wrong. But you're right, I guess. If we ever had to have grace, now is the
1: season. Well, if you go online, you look at all these pictures of men who <laughs> have invited their, their wives to cut no. their hair and how it's gone massively wrong. And, and I actually, <laughs> I, my wife keeps asking me to cut her hair Uh, because she says, you know, the end of her hair is brittle. Now my wife's got beautiful, like reddish hair. And, and so it's like, you know, she wants me to do this, but the the problem with that is, is like years ago she begged me to cut her hair and it was wet when she asked me to do it. Uh And so I cut it, not thinking about that it was wet. And when your wet hair dries, it pops up. So it was bad. There was crying. I begged her not to let me do it. And then she insisted I do it. And then I did it. And then she cried. And then I felt bad. And she said, No, it's not. But it was obviously my fault. You know, I mean? it yeah. actually looked good. People complimented it, whatever. But uh, but it's one thing to cut someone else's hair, but then to cut your own hair, like, I, you know, it's like because the front might look normal, but the back could just be a complete disaster. And what are you get yeah. to tell me? I don't know. So there, there's we, what we need. I think whoever invented the Flowbee, did you ever see the Flowbee? So no. it was like uh, it was like it looked like a vacuum cleaner oh. and that had shears on it and you would rub it over your head. Uh, and so I think that was uh, whoever did that. They were a, they were a genius. Uh, they're ahead of their time. And I think they need to bring bring it back. Wow. Um,
0: That's but, brilliant. I uh, bet they're sold out. I'm looking at it right now. That's great. Yeah, is yeah, isn't it great?
1: So I actually have friends that I'm embarrassed for them but they have have those and uh but now they're now they're using them.
0: Hey, they were real. a couple so, of years ahead
1: of the curve. I I think they have to this is where we need automation. We need yeah. we need something that we can hook to our chair and uh and it will allow us to uh just, you know, cut our hair for us and be great. So, yeah, you but, the Jetsons uh doorbell yeah, that's right exactly exactly this is this is what robots were made for my yeah. if you give my Roomba give my Roomba some scissors and allow, <laughs> and allow, and allow it to go to work you know, that, that'd be perfect. Oh,
0: man. Uh, so. yeah. <laughs> no, it might, it might hold you hostage. Just be careful. Maybe. Yeah, uh, that's,
1: that's a, like, so I've been asking people. We know there's a ton of terrible stuff about quarantine. Like, we know it. Like, there's, it's not debatable, I don't think. But I've been asking people, this, what is their favorite thing about quarantine? Yeah. So wh- what's your favorite thing about quarantine?
0: What is my favorite thing about quarantine? Um, wow. See, uh, this is difficult because not much has really changed for me, um, but I'd say probably the biggest thing that has changed that I do love is the fact that I get to see my wife far more often, um, and that we have, whether we like it or not, a lot more intentional time together. And I think that's great. I love that. I really do love that.
1: Kat, How about you?
0: Uh...
1: Well, I, I I like that I get to hang out with my family more. Uh, I think that that's good. Um, I, I there's a whole bunch of stuff actually I like about quarantine. Like, um, I I like the fact that there's not as much pressure on us to have kind of a standardized schedule. I think that's that's good. Like, I think oh, that yeah. you can you can work a lot. I I at least can work a lot more effectively if I'm like able to kind of pay attention to my biorhythms. So. I've never understood why um, Americans are so crazy about, like, if you're tired, you can't go take a half an hour nap. You know what I mean? Like, and people work through it. So instead of taking a nap, people would rather, instead of taking a nap, they would rather, like, be unproductive for four hours afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, which makes zero sense to me. Like, so it's always like, I would rather take a nap and then get back up and work hard for four hours.
0: Uh, Yeah. That makes a lot, you know. So lot. Just on that, something interesting that I, that I read this week, and I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I think people are adjusting their rhythms a bit more, and they're being more flexible in terms of, of being cognizant of what they need to do and what they want to do. But I saw a Bloomberg article that referenced um, just some research into this topic. You know, People have been saying that they feel like work is so much longer now that they're working from home. There's many reasons for that, but they found that the average person does work three hours more under quarantine. Really? Yeah, because you don't have a specific, because you're not leaving the office. uh, It's difficult to create that work-life balance divide that you know that the dichotomy between work and life, and so you know people just you know sit with a laptop next to them while they're watching Netflix or. you know, they might take a break and get back to work. And when they look at the clock again, time has flown by. So it really is interesting.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you know, there's been all these movements for people to, I mean, pretty big corporations have talked about uh, uh, how how can you have a, a four-hour workday or things like that. So where you allow people to kind of do the other things they need to do. And, and I know a lot of, uh, there's, several com- countries in, in Europe that have kind of focused on some of that stuff. So I, I they, they seem to indicate that productivity goes up. Now I, I suppose that probably is vocation specific, right? Like, so like if you are an apple picker, I don't know that you pick more apples uh, you know, if you can do it whenever you want to do it or that you would do it more in four hours. So I think, I think that assumes certain kind of technological Advantages, uh, but um, you know, for me, I would say let's automate apple picking and figure out how to have people take care of the automation process so they could live a better life. Um, yeah, you know, and pay them fairly in that. So, so yeah. Now, I, I think there's something to be said for it. I, but it's fascinating. Maybe what's happening is when you give people more freedom with better boundaries, they're mm-hmm. able to actually become more productive. And they actually might enjoy their work more, uh, you know what I mean. So, or maybe they're just so bored that that's what they are doing. They're choosing, which is fascinating. If we're choosing our work over Netflix or whatever, right? So, well, uh, in, in, interesting, interesting stuff.
0: Four so. weeks in. I'm sure you've watched uh, Tiger King three times and The Office. No, seven I'm, times
1: I cannot after. watch Tiger King three times. Once <laughs> was enough to traumatize me. But, uh, uh, so we're, but we're still in it. it so. I did watch it. I did watch it once. They did an update with Joe McHale. Did you see that at the end? I
0: heard that there's one at the end. We're only—I think we're on episode three, so we're pacing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. getting a long-term view on this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're planning your 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 tiger. Tiger tour after, after yes. quarantine. Is that what you're doing? Exactly. going to hit all of the places they mentioned that are yeah, still exactly. open. Exactly. Uh,
0: okay. As an immigrant, I feel like that is, is a tour to see a different perspective of America.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good.
0: Get, get, yeah.
1: And, and people who are just getting their tax refunds, I'm sure that's what they're doing. They're buying baby tigers. Uh, you know. Well, you know, that, that show starts off in... You know, one, it says that Joe Exotic, like, Like, learned a bunch bunch of his stuff at Lion Country Safari, which... (laughs) Which it's Lion Country Safari. It's close, not too far from where you live. No. And yeah. and yeah. we have had for multiple years, we've been able to do it. They have a summer savings pass and we get it for our family. We go to Lion no Country way. Safari. So we're like, uh, which by the way, Lion Country Safari has like, you know, I'm not getting paid by Lion Country Safari, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but they have like the best little water park for little kids. Like they have like a little like, splash pad thing that they No way. Awesome. Like and they have little rides for kid, It's great. If you got a kid, you know, who's like, you know, one to five, perfect. Uh, but you know, yes, then really you things, Joe exotic's hanging out there and I don't know if age one to five is good. Then at that point, it's like <laughs> totally made me <any> request. <laughs> and I've seen pictures of at lion country safari that when it opened up where they didn't have, like now they have these huge fences around the lions. And you know, when you go through, I mean, there's literally rhinoceros like crossing the street at this, you know, wow. so your car's right there. Uh, but there's pictures that I've seen where people, I don't know when this was, 60s, 70s, I don't know when they opened, but where there's people in their cars and there's lions laying on top of their cars and they have their windows down trying to take pictures. Or, you know, and it's like, what the heck? So I don't know how there hasn't been a massive mauling, you know. But then there's also a thing about a guy who's in Miami who was like a drug kingpin or something yeah. right at the beginning of it. And I'm like, oh, great, South Florida represented, you know, there couldn't be a totally. You know, it couldn't be a show about a crazy person uh, and, and all the people that are
0: around that industry
1: without including South Florida. No, so,
0: of course uh, not. No, yeah, it would so, not be complete.
1: <laughs> so we felt, you know, right in the midst of it as we watched that. Uh, so I, I – I, it'll be interesting to see if they make Tiger King 2. Um, so I don't know what that would be about, if it's a lot of like, you know, in-jail interviews or uh, – I. uh I don't know, but it seems like there's material there, you know, or or have you ever seen those like uh, history channel shows? It's like the mystery island type shows, like where they're on a quest to find treasure that they never find, or it's like finding Sasquatch, you know, they're on the hunt for UFOs or ghosts. You never actually see a ghost or Sasquatch, obviously, although UFOs now, did you see this?
0: I I heard that the CIA released some footage. I didn't see it
1: everything is so crazy right now in the world that our government just released that UFOs are exist. Like they exist. And that's not the top story.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. like they
1: like, Oh yeah, there's, yeah, there's stuff that we don't know what it is flying around in the space. Well, you know, well, we're out. I, I love of, the
0: a top comment that I read on that was, you know, your government is in deep trouble if they start releasing the UFO videos. And, you know, then, you know,
1: (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no big deal. So it's like so it's like if you're a normal person right now, right, like you're just like minding your own business. You were going to work, you know, you're like, you know, just trying to, you know, do your thing. And now, you know, it's like your standard, your standard Netflix show that's popular is, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, Tiger King. I almost said the Lion King, Tiger King, little different, little different premise to each of those. Yeah, one
0: uh, is a different yeah, continent. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and and so uh, so Tiger King, your your day-to-day is now you're trapped in your house because of a global pandemic. And then while you're trapped in your house, because there's a you know, supposedly a deadly virus that's out there, you know, gonna take us all out, we have to worry about aliens. I mean, this is pretty crazy. This is a pretty crazy existence. And most of us are like, yeah. You know, you and I are like, you know, that's that's interesting, but let's start a podcast.
0: that's, yeah. that's a good idea. This is like, the best timeline. I'm happy with this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. So I'm looking forward to like <laughs> seeing Sasquatch videos. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to see like you know Paranormal Activity stuff going on. I, I like uh, lizard people. Whatever the whatever the conspiracy theories are, I think the government should start putting that information out right now.
0: Well, um, I think be yeah, great. we might we might have the national. Weather service release some Sasquatch videos soon. Um, so
1: maybe that's maybe that's one of my favorite things about quarantine is we, <laughs> we're getting UFO videos. No, we're no. getting we're getting the things we were wondering about a long time ago. Now you said you had some. There was a story you had about outer space, right? Like
0: I did. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so that, let's make the
0: transition from UFOs to yeah. good segue <laughs> to SpaceX. Um, is that yeah, and just just to uh correct myself there. I said the CIA, I meant the Pentagon, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, is that cuz you don't want the CIA coming after I, you? What?
0: Look, man, if I'm going to choose my enemies,
1: <laughs> you'd rather you'd rather have the, your enemy your enemy be the Pentagon than the CIA. Yeah. That's that's an interesting
0: one of those are authorized for lethal force domestically. All yeah, right. Okay. So... okay. okay. Anyway, <laughs> Good. um oh. Definitely- uh, you know, by
1: the way, we haven't seen any UFOs that have landed, so so that may that may tell us something about our culture, right?
0: now. yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah they came, they saw, and they left. Really like, quick. Oh, oh, yeah, there, I saw
1: a cartoon where somebody was doing. Uh, they had. They were giving an alien a thermometer, and they're like, "Interesting greeting ritual." <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Take, take. Take us to your leader. No, That's right. All right,
1: so what's SpaceX doing?
0: So SpaceX, really interesting. SpaceX has been working on a project for the the last couple of, uh, I'd say, year and a bit. It might even be more. I actually don't have the timeline in front of me. But they've been working on this interesting project called, and I have to look for it here, Starlink. Um, And the premise behind Starlink is uh, Elon Musk identified... Uh, I mean, even in his career, he identified some of the biggest challenges that the world faced and, uh, you know, he helped invent PayPal and then he invented Tesla, and all the, the, the remarkable patents that, that come along with, with, uh, with Tesla and all the solutions around that. And with SpaceX, one of the challenges that he identified was, you know, we might have great Internet here most of the time. Um, but the rest of the world might not. And if you think about rural America, there's a lot of challenges in delivering stable, low latency, high bandwidth internet. And to solve this, Elon and the team at SpaceX came up with this concept of launching well over 4,000 low, low Earth orbit uh, satellites that would create this a, a grid thousand. around the Earth. 4,425. Wait, 4,425? 4, four thousand okay all right yeah it's it's a so it's,
1: it's kind of like uh like a skynet
0: <laughs> that's actually a missed opportunity i think yeah. um <laughs> yeah i'll tweet him that later uh yeah. you should you should tweet him that later yeah. um so anyway
1: i don't know, I don't know. we will in a second let's talk about elon's tweets but yeah okay
0: let's <laughs> <laughs> not do that so so, yeah, so he, they had this idea of creating this, uh, this network in the sky of, uh, of satellites that would beam uh, connectivity down to Earth. And they're low orbit, which, which uh, firstly helps with bandwidth. So it'll be a high bandwidth product. It'll be low latency. I mean, I've seen some estimates say that, that we could expect uh, sub 100 milliseconds uh, from this side of the, the globe to the other, uh, which is really profound. You know, having, having grown up in South Africa and being, being a nerd from a young age, one of my biggest frustrations was having access to the rest of the world in a very low latency capacity. Specifically because I'm a gamer, I wanted to, to you know, compete. Yeah, you can't compete, right? You can't. I mean, yeah. in South Africa, if I connected to a US server, I'd have 230 between, between 230 and 250 milliseconds. Of latency, and that's impossible. You, you can't really do much with that. Which actually this,
1: creates like opportunity issues, right? I mean, it's actually like 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 not to be not to sound ridiculous, but it's actually that's kind of a justice issue in some ways, right? Like because because a, a, like a yeah. U.S. kid, if if they have you know the means to do it, right? You still have to have the means to be able to pay for it, whatever the process yeah. is, but. But if you're a kid in the US and you you have a decent internet connection, you can get online and go start a Twitch channel and make money. You can you can actually compete to become a professional gamer, right? Yeah. So it's like so it's like a whole bunch of countries that are developing countries or places that just don't have that tech yet, those kids don't have the
0: opportunity to even compete in those ways, which means they have an economic disadvantage. And even I- with that, I mean it's 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 the, the big challenge is not just the, the lack of tech, because that's a big issue in, in developing countries, but the other issue is the limitations of the tech. So in South Africa, I had, I had fiber internet and it was phenomenal, but even with fiber connecting to a, a US server or a European server would, would put me anything between 180 and 250 milliseconds, depending on where in the world I connected. And you're right. I mean, growing up, one of my biggest desires was to play World of Warcraft. And I mean, I could, but the latency at that point when it released was between half a second and a second. It's just not realistic. You know, you press jump, and <laughs> right yeah. a second later you jump. It's just yeah. not. <laughs> um, well, you jump on the se- at the same time on your screen, but for some reason you just keep dying and you don't know why. Yeah. Um. So yes, I think you know that's, that's, that's an interesting point you make because I think as we think about the, the first world and we think about the West in general, how technology is evolving, there are certain standards that we expect. There's a certain caliber expectation as to what the platform looks like when we think about the internet. And it really does... Eliminate or disqualify. I think a lot of people who who just don't find themselves close to that. Um, I mean, South Africa is the big problem with South Africa is it's geographically so far away, yeah. and there are limits in terms of of what you can send on that, you know, through that distance. But with something like like Starlink, um, because it's line of sight or you know, as the as the crow would fly directly. Uh, using this mesh network. It can connect to the other side of the globe super, super quick. Um, and I believe that they're using some sort of a, a laser grid to communicate with the other, other satellites right. as well.
1: Will the other satellites have flamethrowers on them?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't uh, know
1: anybody who got one of those flamethrowers, but I really want to know somebody who got one of those flamethrowers. <laughs> like... <laughs> Do you? Do yeah, you, yeah I kind of do. I kind of do. I, I want to <laughs> see, like, you know, can you make a kebab using a? I, I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, like I think bucks. like look, th- this is one of those things where I think when we talk about equity and technology, it's a huge issue, and yeah, uh, people would minimize that, I think, quite a bit to say, well, you don't need to have whatever, but it's like it really gives you an advantage. Like kids, you can go to school even in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that are given tech when they go to school and they're able to use that tech, they have a tremendous advantage over kids who don't have that opportunity to do it. Like like when I went to college, the advantage I had was that technology was still relatively new. And so, you know, I, I grew up in a trailer park for most of my life. Like we didn't, you know, we didn't have certain advantages that like a doctor's kid would have. Right. That just didn't have those things. And I was a, like first person in my immediate family go to college. And so we go to college, uh, you know, it's like I hadn't used a computer, right? I had used, I actually had used a word processor and my school, my high school had just bought, there was like a computer class that you could go to, but it was like, you know, it was, it was nothing advanced. It was kind of garbage computers that were, you know, uh, they were doing stuff. So when I got to college, they had actually made that investment and they had a computer lab and one of the things that it allowed me to do was, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I talked about this in a sermon recently. I, I To get my first job, I lied. I, I totally lied because there were there were no other jobs that were available where I could make enough money because I needed a work-study job. Yeah. And so somebody said, well, you know, if you know anything about computers, because the computer lab's hiring. And all the upperclassmen had jobs. So I went and I lied uh, and got this job to be a computer. Uh, pu- computer lab monitor, uh, and I didn't know anything about anything, and fortunately, <laughs> they were smart enough to see that I was just, you know, I needed a job really bad, so they put me at the graveyard shift, right, so I, I was a runner, I was running in college, so we had to get up pretty early, we'd do two days for running, and then I had a class schedule, and then I'm working this crazy shift, but I was so scared I was going to lose my my, my job, because it was Division three school, uh, I was afraid if I lost my job, I wouldn't be able to go to college. So I got on the old help menus and I went through all the help menus that used to tell you how to do everything. Uh, and you could, it was like a drop down and I taught myself how to do every function of every program. Uh, and, and it, it was a huge advantage to me to be able to have that opportunity to do it because without it, I would have never gotten involved with technology at all. And so I was using CorelDRAW, um, which hadn't been out too long when I was in college and I was teaching myself Corel draw. And what I didn't know is I didn't know that a lot of people didn't, there weren't that many people back then that knew how to use any kind of, you know, it wasn't like now where everybody has Photoshop or whatever and, and people kind of a general. So I taught myself to, I was teaching myself and I drew something. I don't even remember what it was. And when I came back to work, Uh, To come back to the lab, the guy who was from the computer center, kind of the main hub at the at the college, my school was really little. Uh, He he was there and all of the wallpapers on all the computers was my thing that I had drawn. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to be fired. Like, I thought this is it. Right. Like they found out like and so I came in and he goes, did you do this? And I was like, uh, yeah, I did it, you know, like, and he said, well, we we actually think this is pretty good and we're going to build our first website for the, and I didn't even know really what that meant, what that would involve, you know? And, uh, and they said, we'd like you to help us with it. And so I ended up getting a job working for the main computer center. And eventually we ended up, I ended up. You know, I wasn't the most techie person that was there. We had people, we had actually a computer science major, which was something completely different than what it is now. Uh, And that's most of the people who were working there, uh, students that were working at the computer center. But what I ended up being good at was uh, I was, I ended up politicking the student government to push to wire the whole campus, uh, which it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, that That wasn't the case at the time where they just didn't have Internet and people, they couldn't have Internet in their in their rooms, even if they had computers. But that kind of the impetus behind them putting that computer lab in was they knew that not every kid that went to that school was going to be able to afford to have a computer. And so to be able to have that was a huge advantage for me because I wouldn't have been able to afford one. Right. And so I look at that now and I go, wow, if you're in a, you know, if you're an impoverished situation, you know, where you're really struggling, um, being able to have affordable tech is a really important thing. Um, and trying to, f- and to figure out how to do that and to make that available, I think, is an essential, essential piece. And then that's just in the U.S. You, th- you start talking about networks and things that actually make the technology work. And I don't know, I mean, what about uh, China? What about where you have governmental, you know? What about India? Like where, and India, I mean, there's so much potential in India, you know? So uh, that, that's a huge, it's a huge development. The only concern I have really is, um, you know, how are those satellites gonna interfere with aliens that come into our atmosphere now? So uh, we, we might need to, he might need to work on that, so.
0: Yeah, he's, Maybe
1: that's he's, what they saw, actually. They just saw something Elon Musk put
0: up. Yeah. <laughs> he's, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, he's actually asked that they, that they move the satellites down a little bit uh, closer to the Earth in, in a lower orbit. So they initially had approval, uh, and let me just pull up that number, for altitudes between uh, 1,100 and 1,300 kilometers above the Earth. And they're asking to slash that in half. Okay. for about, I'd say, 40 35 40% of those satellites. And the, the big reason for that is there's so much junk and garbage in space, uh, so much debris just floating around.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, on the one end, they want to protect these satellites, and on the other, if they can, if they can bring them a little bit closer, uh, it'll... Now, is there,
1: uh, like, at what altitude does stuff start falling out of the sky?
0: I don't know.
1: I actually. Mean, I mean, am I uh, going to end up with SpaceX, uh, SpaceX junk in my backyard?
0: I wouldn't complain, honestly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on how big it is. You might complain.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. But yeah, uh, I mean, that's an interesting. Just you know, your your previous statement. I I'm astounded by just how this is going to level the playing field for people trying to access internet. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really becomes fascinating because think about it. Not even half the world's population is online. Yeah. So we're only like tapping half of the potential right now. That's out there for humanity to be online. Now that could be worse as far as Twitter goes, for example, you know, it may, might mean a bunch more garbage too, who knows, but, uh, but the the potential is yeah. Through, through the roof, uh, uh, with that. so it's, okay. How many SpaceX launches have they done, though? How do they have that many s- satellites up?
0: So, so they need to, they need to launch 4,425, 4,400. That's the plan. Oh, how many have they actually launched? Any? So they actually, last week, they launched another 60. Oh, so and- they can do like 60 at a time, or are they doing... I think so. I, I'm not. I'm not sure what their payload capacity is. I mean, now have, that
1: their rockets are reusable, I guess that probably makes it easier, huh?
0: I think it helps a lot. But they have 420 operational Starlink satellites. Um,
1: how many? How so many, many more Teslas watched. has he launched into space? That would
0: be. <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> that's a UFO, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's what that's what they saw. That <laughs> came back into orbit. Yeah, uh, no, that thing's so, got to be out of our solar system by now, I would yeah, imagine. It's in, it's in Jupiter. Is it? Maybe there's probably some story somewhere where that's exploded or something at this point. We, it's now a
0: Saturn. Is it Saturn? Is it Saturn? No, it's, oh, a, it's a Saturn. That's a terrible
1: joke. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I had a Saturn.
1: I liked those cars when <laughs> they came out. <laughs> we bought another one. And then the oh, yeah. second version was terrible. And then that's why they don't exist anymore. So,
0: uh uh funny. The, the, I think the, what, what's interesting about this story and um, just I think why it's relevant to talk about it today is I, I've been hearing about this for a while. A lot of people have been hearing about this for a while and I think um, as, with, as with all great things in the world, it seems to always take longer than expected. But the good news is with these launches that happened last week with the, the 60 additional being added, uh, they're looking at doing a private beta internally with SpaceX and possibly Tesla employees uh, within three months.
1: Wow. So this is, could be soon.
0: Yeah. And they're looking at doing a public beta in about six months.
1: So what's it cost? That's going to uh, be the
0: question. Yeah, that's going to be the big question and, and what the, the throughput would be on that. Uh, but I think this has the, the capacity and the potential to, to possibly shake up the way we do global roaming with with mobile phones
1: well it'd be really great i mean i think about being in south florida here like uh we got a hurricane and you can't get access i mean you're you're because you're wire based you're stuck on everything so if you actually have satellite it doesn't matter and and what and why that's important is having that communication having that having the ability to communicate more quickly allows people to be able to get aid more quickly so if you're in like puerto rico for example one of the things i've argued for a long time is is that In Puerto Rico, the challenge when they have a hurricane is never that supplies don't get there fast enough. The problem is they're sitting off the island uh, while they're trying to communicate how they actually dock boats, how how do they get them to places. They don't know where there's actual need because everything gets shut down. So if all of a sudden you just had even basic telecommunications you were able to have, uh, that would change people's situation and disaster relief in, in a major way. Um, Absolutely. And so of course I don't know what weather does to those things like immediate weather. Uh, it'd be, that'd be interesting to, I don't know, you know, like, is it like having a dish TV or whatever, you know, yeah. do, you know, like are we it's all going to have no clouds? clouds. Yeah. We go back do we all have satellite dishes on our roof again. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, are you kidding me? We thought we got rid of those things. So, <laughs> so great. You know what? One thing um, I've, I've noticed is as we've gone through this crisis uh, and, and, I've seen some people writing about it, but I don't think we have good terminology for how we're talking about things. Like, I I think as we're, I don't think we're thinking through. um, So, you know, we're talking about the internet and everyone having internet, but it doesn't seem to me like even when we talk about the internet, we're not actually articulating what's happening. And so I've seen different people um, talk about how they're doing virtual you know, everything they're doing is virtual, but it doesn't actually, what they mean is they're doing it digitally. You know what I mean? They don't mean they're actually in an immersive reality, right. you know what I mean? Uh, so like a church says, oh, we're doing a virtual service. And really what they're doing is they're broadcasting one way, right? They're, they're not even, there's not any engagement. It's a one-way thing where they're, where they're creating something. And then, um, you know, there's kind of like online situations where people um are engaging through zoom or whatever where they're actually there's engagement it's not a one-way thing mm-hmm. you know and then you know virtual is actually where you're immersive you have an avatar you you know what i mean uh, you're you're in that environment um and and then my question would be is like digital is digital where does that cover everything you know what i mean is that like an over like so so I, so I think it's, it's kind of an interesting thing for us to, like, start thinking about the language uh, as we talk about this stuff. Because if we're talking about the Internet going more globally, you know what I mean, uh, I think it would be helpful. And then you take that and you take, like, these kind of more existential questions about, like, oh, are we in a, are we in a simulation or are we in a, you know, uh, uh, like a – what did you say before, like a game – uh, like, a, not a server, I forget what you said, a not a engine. server, a game engine, right, yeah. so, like, are we in a game engine, right, like, um, you start thinking about that, and it's, like, well, is what we're doing right now virtual, like, am I actually, you know what I mean, like, when Jesus came to earth, is Jesus, is Jesus an avatar of God, like, I mean, that, that's, like, you know what I mean, you start thinking about, it and it's, like, I mean, that's interesting, uh, <laughs> So I, I don't know that we've got our, our heads around this language, but I think we need to start thinking about the language a little bit more.
0: No, absolutely. And I, and I think that is a challenge. It, it's become, I mean, I laugh at that, but people have always, have over the years, you know, talked about being, you know, doing virtual things. Um, you know, I'm going to go play uh, World of Warcraft, and it's a... It's a um, it's a virtual world, yes, right. but, it, but the world is virtual. Your experience in that is, is not necessarily... Right. It's like Second Life. Second Night Life was that, yeah. but that you weren't using a VR headset no. for,
1: for Second Life, right? It was, yeah. you know, you could create and do things, but it wasn't actual virtual
0: in that so way. So you're not virtual. And right. Your engagement right. isn't virtual, but the avatar you're playing is in a virtual world. Right. And so, I mean, when you say, you know, your church is virtual... Uh,
1: it 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 could be, but yeah, but it probably isn't, but it probably isn't right. Yeah. Because there are like a handful of those going on right now globally. Uh, but I think it's important to start talking about and figuring out what that means. It's kind of like when we talk about, um, like, what would we say that the Sims are, would we say that they're fully automated? You know what I mean? Uh, and if so, to where's the cutoff line? Like, are we fully automated uh, as human beings? Like, I think those are conversations we have to have. Like, what's in between? Because I, I made this argument about alternative intelligence instead of saying artificial, because I think it's really important. Like, my cat is not artificial. He's, you know, uh, and, and virtual in a very general sense does mean digital, I think, is what it means. Uh, but, you know, is digital really the a good expression either? Because are there other ways to think about that. Uh, you know, in people uh, who do information uh, theory for a living, uh, 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 there's a guy, I'm probably gonna say his name wrong, Vladko Vedral, he's at Oxford or somewhere like that, who who does information theory and writes about it, right? But when we start talking about breaking particulate matter down into like ones and zeros, and we start thinking about it that way, like, so what's going on there? Is that you know, are we talking about the digitization of everything? Or are we talking about information? You know, and, it, and it's kind of the hermeneutic, the lens that we're framing it in, you know what I mean? But how do you pivot that stuff? Because are we gonna be here a hundred years from now, you know, saying something's artificial intelligence when it's actually just an alternative form of intelligence, right? Uh, or are we gonna be calling something virtual when it's actually, you know, it's not immersive, right? Uh, so if you had like Ready Player One scenario in the Oasis where you could jump in, right, then then we would be talking about being, I mean, would you still say that's online or would you say that that's something else? Like, I, I think it's, I just think it's, as we think about these things, we don't have good language. And if yeah. Musk is gonna be, you know, yeah. now, now we only have like half the population having that conversation, right? Like, um, you know, I think we, those are conversations worth having uh, and worth correcting our language about. Cause, cause even when you advertise, if I say I'm having a virtual service or I'm having an online church, those mean different things to people when they hear them, right. When it could just be I'm live streaming, live streaming is really different. Right. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's a, even a difference between zoom and just like live streaming. So if I, you know, like, so if I'm streaming on Twitch, there's a chat where people can engage, right? But they're not, I don't see them. They can't talk to me uh, in the same way, right? Whereas in Zoom, you actually have interaction. Um, It can be moderated, but uh, it just, it's fascinating to think about that. I'm not sure who is, if anybody has really thought through the implications of those things, um, but but the more I see it just irritates me like it's a more of a pet peeve for me to ever see everybody say, "Oh, we're doing virtual stuff. It's like, no, you're not yeah. <laughs> Where's your avatar? unless they're gonna make the argument that they're the avatar and then that's a real theological conversation.
0: <laughs> but they were doing that even before this so
1: that, that's right, that's right. So.
0: yeah, that's the I think that's the crux of it or the the core of it is um, is we have to sit down and have meaningful conversations about exactly what this means and what this is. Because I, as you say, some people might, might, you know, go say, Hey, check out our virtual experience. And they, they point to a website and it's like, no, 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 that's not.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, even when people say our church is online and then you, they have a website, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's not yeah. even a good website. It's just a website. Right. It's like, like, yeah. it's like, uh, so how do we talk about the degrees of what people can do? Because I think, If if we're like this is what I like about Elon Musk. There's a whole bunch of things that it's like are questionable about him, including his dancing. Like I think those are like things that you know. But what I like about Elon Musk is he pushes us to think about things because he's pushing the technological bar, and so we're racing to try to catch up with what he's what he's talking about. So if we're looking at this globally, and we're and we're going to start saying okay, so we're talking about more people being you know online. Then, then, what does that mean for us as far as our verbiage, and how do we start to communicate these things? And I almost wonder if there's better, if there's better verbiage in other languages that would allow us to, you know, to begin to like talk about this stuff. Like, if, if there's something that's actually more comprehensive or more specific, um, I don't know the answer to that, but yeah. but it would be it's fascinating to me the way we talk about these stuff and. Yeah. Because it comes down to trying to get our understanding, our, how we exist, and the forms at which our existence can take.
0: Right. I think the challenge is, you know, <clears throat> the way in which you're approaching this is very meticulous, systematic, almost academic. And I think that's necessary. Every, every field of living expression needs to go through that sort of thinking. But I think what happened was when when the internet was was developed, um, we had a. It was driven by academia. It was it was driven by by technical individuals, by engineers, and they were putting this together as you know a very. I want to say closed. That's not the right word because I know that, that wasn't their intention, but very limited in terms of who would be using it and what they would be using it for. And then it gained some popular appreciation and interest, and it just exploded.
1: And it I got mean, popularized, I, right? I mean, it, yeah.
0: And I mean, I laugh at that today, because it's almost as if the, the concepts and the, the terminology and the verbiage stuck from the 80s and 90s. And we've sort of added analog um, or, or equivalent words in our minds, like virtual. To that, but the entire expression hasn't changed all that much. I mean, I laugh at the fact that you know when you go to a website and you type type in the domain, you start with www, right? Because the assumption was when we when the internet was built, is you would have a domain and you would use that domain for various different things. But one of those subcomponents would be a website which lives on the World Wide Web Network. Right, right. Right. So if you typed in www, it points you to that server. But today, it's like, we don't have the World Wide Web Network. We just have the network. Right. And sure, some people have internal networks, but but it, it pivoted. Initially, it was. Internal networks, first and foremost, and World Wide Web as a, as a secondary thing.
1: Well, and explain, explain to people, though, the distinction between that. Explain, explain what the World Wide Web is, because there's a whole generation of people that they're not, they don't really even know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's interesting, because I think we're at, at the cusp of, of shaking that up. Um, and I'll, I'll comment on that at the end. But when this started out um, many, many, many years ago in the the 80s and 90s, it was really an experiment between universities trying to connect with one another to share research and engage with one another over distances. And so at that point, the idea of having large computer networks within an institution wasn't that foreign. I think the concept of everyone owning a computer was foreign, but the, the fact that you could have multiple computers on a network within a university institution that existed. So, so people had these different computers and they were connected to one another. And you would have internal bulletin boards where people can share resources, research, jokes, whatever it might be. And this concept evolved of having, you know, you might have your university network, and another university might have a network. And if we could if we could connect those two using a telephone line. That, that modulates the information and demodulates the information, which is where the word modem comes from. It's modulate, demodulate. Uh, if we modulated and demodulated the network information over a phone line and connected them, well, suddenly you might have two geographically distant computer networks, but they're now connected to each other. And really, that's the concept of the internet today, is you have all these, you have a local network, which is what you might have at your house if you have multiple computers and you want to share a printer and move files over. But that same principle can be applied to a broader network externally. And that's what the internet is. So you have all these hundreds of thousands of small little networks that that connect to one another uh, through these almost independent and unique relationships. And so that has obviously grown as time has gone on. So you might have some large networks like Verizon and AT&T and Comcast that that dominate and make up a cluster, but you still have small, like, less networks than 10 and employees. Inside networks inside network, Yeah, and, and they form a, an integral part of this. So if you think about the, the internet, it's almost a spider map, and they're all interconnected and interrelated. And so when we think about the idea of the World Wide Web, you might have, you know, if you typed in www.harvard.edu, back then, that would point you to a specific website on that small little network so they had a server that would send it over to you but they used harvard.edu for internal bulletin boards and for internal uh, you know FTPs to drop files that's what we we
1: were doing at my college yeah
0: yeah right so the idea was that the www part of it was really such a small expression of that network it was it was sort of just an afterthought, not to say that it, um, to be fair, I mean, if you think about it today, the the World Wide Web, the internet, when we think about the internet, the web component of that has grown dramatically. But it's also just a component of that, if you think about online gaming, if you think about video streaming about video calls, all of that lives within the same ecosystem. But web delivery is only a part of that. But it's, it's just ironic for me that, you know, I mean, there's this big debate going on right now. You know, if you, if you start a website, should it be www.whatever or should it just be whatever.com? Right. There's this whole, there, there's two classes of, of, you know, network engineers right. and, and developers. <laughs> um, because some of them just say it's redundant. Um, right. If you have a domain, you're going to use it for a website. You might use it for other stuff, but you're going to use it for a website. Why would you add World Wide Web? It's like, are you connected to another network where you right. might be using that? Anyway, and, and just to, to land my, my point from earlier, it's interesting to see how different countries around the world are now trying to subvert this universal network. And it's almost at odds with what Elon Musk is doing with, with uh, Starlink. But there are rumors and murmurs of the Russian uh, federation looking at creating their own internet and breaking away from the rest of the world. The Chinese, in essence, have done that by creating a sort of a hybrid system where they have their internal internet, and then they have a gateway that connects it to everything else. So we can't access their stuff, but they can access everything else. So there's this it seems, it seems
1: to me that you'd have to be in kind of a totalitarian type government to even consider doing that, right? Because you don't allow people the freedom to actually be engaged. At least, it—I at, mean, at least at the capacity that they're able to be engaged on the on the web, right?
0: Because they just don't have
1: access. What you're doing is you're really limiting people's access.
0: Yeah, you're you're limiting it. I think part I mean, of the—I mean, they issue... might—they
1: might say that what we're doing is we're actually providing security and safety, which is part of government's responsibility. Uh, you know what I mean but you know I think most people in the world would say yeah but you're also you're you're I mean it's fascinating because you're also saying well you're also like limiting opportunity at that point right so it's like so it's like uh which which is a function of government but with technology to what extent the other thing that makes me wonder when you say all this stuff is you know while it's important that And and it's interesting that from a tech standpoint, you know, they're doing this in-house kind of academically. I I also think it's, it's, it's the reality of it is, is like Kevin Kelly, who's from Wired magazine, um, one of the founders of Wired, he's talked about how technology actually leads us. We don't lead technology. And so what's fascinating to me is he's definitely right right in that insofar as our verbiage, um, You know, and I think if we are going to, you know, in a Christian tradition, how do we talk about stewarding something? How do we talk about being caretakers? If it's leading us, do are we really caretakers of it? Um, You know what I mean? If it's pushing us or is it possible that that is uh, God's kind of presence in the world in a way driving us in directions where it's saying, okay, there are certain things that are going to happen in the redemptive process of the world. And you either need to keep up and participate in that, or uh, it's going to happen anyhow, and you're going to get left out of that equation. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's kind of a fascinating thing, particularly when we talk about language, because sometimes, like, e- even if you're in an environment where we, say you're in a, say you're in a bad situation, sometimes... Sometimes you have to do something to get out of the bad situation, but sometimes how we speak is the thing that gets us out of the situation. So we actually speak our existence into being. So if you're all, it's in the easy example of this is like, if you always talk negatively about something, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if you always talk about something positive, it becomes a self-fulfilling fulfilling prophecy. It's some, it doesn't mean things won't be hard. It doesn't mean they won't be different, but it's a difference about looking at the world from a negative or a positive perspective and driving towards those things. Now, there's a question about whether if what we understand is positive is really positive or what we understand is negative is really negative. You can get into that conversation. But, but I think, you know, if we don't have the ability to frame the way we understand the technology as we're creating it, then the question is, is the technology framing us? And I think that's the, you know, it is effectively the technology, the thing that's changing what we are, or is there some symbiotic relationship that happens in between it? Uh, Because I would say right now, um, you know, we are very different as human beings as we were, you know, 30 years ago, insofar as we're all carrying around a personal computer and our cell phone and, And that is an extension of us, you know, we can look up anything we want in any period of time. There's no, you know, when I was growing up, if somebody asked me a question, it was a fully acceptable response to say, I don't know. And everyone would just go on with their life and they wouldn't think about it. Now it's not fully acceptable. Now the thing is, is we'll Google it. You know what I mean? And and it's a verb, like, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, there's, you're gonna Google it and figure out, figure out what's happening. So I, I think this is one of those things where us, thinking about the language and coming back and going, wait a second, we created this. We created it because we articulated there was a need to create it. It then took off and kind of took a different direction. But then how do we start to scale it back? And the question is, is, you know, are we too far gone that we can change verbiage or can we do a shift again? And there, there are events that have happened, you know, in, I mean, there are words that are not acceptable to say, right? Like we understand they're not acceptable because they're racist or they're, uh, they invoke some kind of hatred or what, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, uh, before Nazis swastikas were probably typical parts of, uh, of, you know, various, various cultural expression. Now a swastika is like a no, no. And it's not that, I'm not saying it won't ever be redeemed. Hopefully it will be redeemed. But if you put a swastika on something, it stands for something because of what has happened historically. Uh, the same thing could, you know, in a, in a, obviously far reduced standpoint, how we name stuff matters. Right. And so how we talk about stuff has implications to it. And if we don't start thinking about how we talk about things, um, you know, it's really important. So relationally, that's, I think it's a really important thing because how we talk to one another matters, yeah. what we call one another matters, right? Like, um, and how we talk about the internet matters, how we talk about technology matters. Um, and so what, if we're going to, my opinion is this is why I'm a technological optimist is like, look, I can point out bad things about technology, but I think technology has widely made our lives better. Uh, again, would I rather be living now or 200 years ago? I'll take now, right? Like, like, yeah. give me the anesthesia. So, but the, the the reality is, is that is is it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that um, we don't have to think about these things or talk about these things and kind of continually reform and always reform according to the Word of God on these issues because we're not done. Um, and now that, in, in the bigger issue that I see with this is now all of a sudden all these churches have shifted, churches that would have never shifted unless they had to. And now they've had to. But now what we're doing is they've all shifted, but now nobody actually knows how to talk about this stuff. And so we just go, oh, it's acceptable. Uh, they know what we're talking about. I actually think a lot of people don't. And actually, um, and I actually think people are probably hurting their value proposition in some way, shape, or form because uh, there's an expectation people have as to what they're doing, and when they com- they miscommunicate about what that is, then people's expectations are higher than what they're receiving, and then they're disappointed, and then they lose people because they set a false expectation. So, so anyhow, so I, I just think. But as I think we as we talk about this more and more, it, it's it's kind of fascinating to see how these. And even with thing, like Musk is like, now he's pushing us into this space. Right. Uh, And, and I don't know, like, look, I don't know that we should have, you know, 700 forums about this or to talk about whether Elon should do this or not do it. I mean, maybe we need to do it. Maybe that's kind of the nature of it. But the question is, is then what is our responsibility to start to define these things appropriately? Uh, And, you know, and how do we, how do we think about that as we move into alternate forms of existence and reality? Because that's what this is. I mean, uh, you know, 25 years ago, there were not this many zoom calls happening. That's a matter of fact, right? Like (laughs) we weren't doing this. We just weren't doing that, you know? Um, And, and so it's, it's, you know, I say stuff, it's like, you know, I tell my son, it's like, yeah, you know, mommy and daddy were born before the internet was a popular thing, and he looks at me like, what, what are you talking about? Like, how old are you, Yoda? You know, like, and so and so, it's figuring out figuring out how we define ourselves. I think is is an ever increasing thing, and I think why that's when we kind of break all this down is I think it actually shifts our identity as to who we are as people. Um, And and I think there's that's part of why these conversations you and I are having and that people are having around the world about technology and particularly technology and faith are so important because it has implications to our ultimate sense of meaning, our our ultimate understanding as to who we are and that those understandings impact our purpose. Um, And so I, I, you know, it's that'll be something that's probably never ending so the good news is is we've got podcast job security uh whatever whatever that means uh but uh but but you know it's it's gonna be a challenge as we move forward and and i'm still gonna fight for my pet's right to say that they're not artificial intelligence (laughs) so you know or those aliens like i i gotta find out about those aliens i I need to know more about the aliens i need to know what that thing was (laughs) So I, and, and my question is, it's an, why is it that it's – this this another, this another yeah. verbiage thing. It's an unidentified flying object. So we say it's an alien, right? But when it's an identified flying object, it could still be an alien, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't change that. So why is UFO you know, more, more impressive to us than an identified flying object? like that's that's my question if it's an alien it's still an alien like if yeah. i can say it's uh you know <laughs> uh, it's the borg coming for us like you know like <laughs> that's not exciting
0: i'm sorry
1: <laughs> that's just not as exciting because Enough. we don't know there's no mystery in that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a little green man that's not that's not exciting uh, you know that i need yeah. at
0: least 9 episodes of intrigue
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right that's right that's right if it's not if it can't be on the front of the national Enquirer or tmz then uh then
0: it doesn't count sorry no that's right (laughs) that's right (laughs) ufo videos whatever
1: yeah yeah i mean so now we're back to sasquatch geez you're our only hope (laughs) and he's even doing those like beef jerky commercials or whatever so that that's that's (laughs) that's even worse even worse (laughs) All right. Well, I think I don't know how much further down the rabbit hole we can go in that, <laughs> but, uh, but we successfully uh, spun out of control. Hopefully Elon Musk's uh, satellites are far more uh, in control than that conversation was, but uh, <laughs> for all of our sake. Uh, yeah, do we no. we need to probably have a Skynet insurance now for our homes in case they get too close and they they land on one of our houses? Yeah, right? I'm
0: sure I'm sure that's something you have to look out for in your do insurance. You,
1: do you have recourse if a satellite falls in your house? I, I think we should ask. I,
0: that's a good question. I
1: there's a lot of them in the air now. Space well, garbage. Do they all burn up in time?
0: Are they small me, enough
1: where they're guaranteed to burn up?
0: Let me let me add to your paranoia. Because, because the 4,400 wasn't enough. Um, so SpaceX has, has also, according to this article in Ars Technica, floated the idea of launching another 30,000 satellites.
1: What, 30,000? Yeah. How does that work?
0: I Are they know. touching? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why do they just make a space station around the Earth? Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, it's, that's actually, a- it's actually a coating. <laughs> uh, it's one big antenna around the Earth, and that's how we'll get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so how many satellites are actually orbiting Earth right now? That's a good question. Let's see.
0: Wow, there are 2218. So And he's Elon, trying to
1: put up how many?
0: He's he's going to need at least 4400 for So
1: he's going to double the amount that are currently in outer space.
0: More than double. And then double. he's talking
1: about 30,000 on top of that? Yep. Boy, that really complicates that Virgin space flight like that con- <laughs> you because know, if, like, like, that's where you're the gonna
0: issue is if you have all this all this space garbage
1: how are you going to even get air how are you going to get this a shuttle or anything up there
0: that's a conversation for another day um and i'd actually recommend watching there's a, a, a kurzgesagt youtube video on this where the issue is they explain it so eloquently but if we don't take care of space garbage uh, we might lock ourselves into this planet forever because leaving the Earth would be so. Wait, risky. wait a
1: second. So it's like Earth quarantine. Yeah. I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's horrible. So on that dystopian uh, reality, yeah. Yeah. It could be coming to uh, to a planet near you, like the one you're on. I think we should wrap with that. We'll on just that bombshell. people with you know, leave people with that. Uh, let's figure out our folks? own language before we're trapped. Uh, and maybe yeah. maybe we can figure out uh, maybe we can figure out how to preserve ourselves from being trapped by space garbage. That was <laughs> that's that's like uh, the rock has another movie he yeah. can make. So he's gonna yeah. save us from space garbage. That's, that's good. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Uh, All right. Well, good. Yeah, all yeah. right,
1: well, I, that conversation did not go at all how I thought it would go. But, I'm so uh,
0: sorry. Should have, I should have landed there, not, not ended with but, that. But,
1: but that's good. But we'll pick up with space garbage uh, next week. Um, and <laughs> yes. hopefully, we'll figure out how to fix that problem. We'll work on that this week. Absolutely. And at least we, you know, the question is, is should we talk about it as space garbage? That's Or are the, is there different verbiage that we need to talk about
0: it? Yeah, but, I'm, I'm not referring to the satellites as <laughs> <of> space garbage. <laughs> But in actual garbage, yeah, there is actual garbage in space. And that's, that's,
1: that's oh, yeah, this is, yeah, that, that's, we definitely need to talk about space garbage <laughs> in a future episode. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you. We appreciate you joining us for our strange and confusing conversation <laughs> this week. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.
0: So that's How a good name for the podcast. Christopher.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: <right. laughs> yeah. Take care. Take care.